Welcome to Sport Management Review Insights. I'm your host, Vito Sobral. Volunteers are absolutely central to sports function. Without their tireless efforts, it would be extremely difficult to have sport at all, and at just about every level. So understanding how sport organizations can manage and recruit volunteers is of vital importance. And that's the theme for this episode. To discuss this, we have a superstar guest. She has a long list of research awards, and that's just in the past couple of years. She's published prolifically on many different sport issues and been cited thousands of times. She was also the star of the episode on the carbon footprint of active sport participants. Back by popular demand, she's Professor for Sport Management and Sport Sociology at Bielefeld University. It's Pamela Wicker. Welcome, Vitor. Thanks for having me here. It's great to have you again. You're, you're an experienced campaigner in these podcasts on, on our research. Pamela and co-authors Philip Svitsi and Christoph Breyer recently published The Impact of Organizational Capacity on Voluntary Engagement in Sport Clubs, a multi-level analysis. So Pamela, we know volunteers and understanding volunteers is really useful. How does this research help our understanding of volunteers and sport organizations? Well, I think it helps to understand the broader context of volunteering. So when you look at existing studies on volunteers, they mainly look at personal characteristics of volunteers, you know, motivations and what individual factors determine whether people volunteer or not and how many hours per week. And this study actually looks at the organizational context related to sports clubs. So what is the, the club's organizational capacity? What are the existing human resources? How are the club's finances? And how does that organizational environment actually inspire people to, to volunteer or not? So it's, it's a move away from the individual characteristics of volunteers to the broader organizational context and environment that provides actually the environment for volunteering. And why do you think it was important to look at it from this organizational capacity perspective? Because we know from existing volunteer research and also from other research topics that it's not only about the individual him or herself to make decisions it's also the environment where people live and act that this also affects their decisions so from a theoretical perspective there is that social ecological model that basically says exactly this that there's uh, an inner circle related to the individual and also some circles and levels around that individual so basically the organizations where people act the community where people live States where people live. So all that, all these environmental and external conditions, they also affect their individual behavior. So when we look at existing research on volunteers that focused mainly on the individual level, we thought it would be a good idea to move to that higher level and look specifically at the context of voluntary sports clubs and how organizational factors actually impact these volunteering decisions of, of individuals within the club. So when we think about organizational capacity and you use that as your, your theoretical framework, at first glance, you think, oh, it just means that they can do things. The theory is a bit more complex than that, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's a conceptual model and it, it basically explains the, the resources and the capacities that the club has. So when we look at human resources capacity that relates to already existing volunteers, but also paid staff. And we all know from, from previous literature that there might be some tensions, you know, between volunteers and paid staff. These two types of, of workers basically have different motivations. 
which might cause tensions. They they work at different hours. Volunteers are rather evening and weekend workers, and paid staff is probably there uh, is working during the the normal daily working hours. So we have to look at these um, conditions to see how how the factors actually affect volunteering and also the financial resources. You know, are volunteers more likely to volunteer when the financial situation of the club is bad or good? Do they find that inspiring? Or if it's not good, do they think they need to do something through their provision of labor that they actually help the club in that regard? Because in that sense, volunteering can also save financial resources to the club, you know, because you don't have to pay somebody for the work. Volunteers basically work for free. And I think also the overall culture and organizational philosophy of the club that also plays a role which is featured under structural capacity so what are the club's goals what's the philosophy is the club inclined to cater for older people for younger people for competitive sports for health sports Um, you know health sports is a bit more expensive competitive sports as well so What's the philosophy of, of the club? Do they have their own facilities or do they have to use public sport facilities? Using public facilities is a bit of an issue in Germany because you don't know what you get from the community. And when the community itself has financial problems, you can tell how poor the public sport facility looks like and some members might have higher expectations. So there's a whole bunch of factors that, that play the role and that will also affect volunteering at the end of the day. One example that I, I can think of about this is when I worked for a football club, a professional football club, and I remember seeing the, the guy who organized match day with the group of volunteers, army of volunteers. And so it's, it's the factors that help them stay there and, and give them the motivation. So, so those factors from an organizational perspective, though, that, that's the, the focus of, of what you were looking at. Exactly. It's these organizational factors. And the example you mentioned probably relates to whether the, the club has a concept or an overall strategy for, for club development and also for working with volunteers. Also important for, for people to make that decision. And maybe also when they have um, children at the club. So it's the, the parents who sometimes volunteer. And that's also part of the study that we actually distinguish between typical adult members and also parent volunteers. And so you, you surveyed clubs and individuals from the West German Football and Track and Field Association. Now, when I first read this, I thought this study was done in 1985 because it's West Germany, but that's not the West, it's West German. So the West side of modern Germany, isn't it? So geographically, it's, it's not the distinction between West and East, it's, it's Western. So it's basically the region within the federal state of North Rhine-Westphalia. So it's not North like Hamburg and not as South as Munich. It's, it's the Western part of Western Germany, to put it that way. It's not from 1985. It's no, bit, no. <laughs> uh, more recent, yeah. <laughs> so if we're talking Bundesliga teams, are we looking at uh, around Borussia Dortmund, FC Cologne, Fortuna Dusseldorf? These are the, the areas you were looking at? Exactly. FC Schalke 04, Bayer Leverkusen. Exactly. So for the Bundesliga fans, they know what you're talking about. Maybe as an explanation, the German Football Association, that's the main governing body for football in Germany. And they have five regional associations. And the, the West German Football Association is one of these five regional associations. So they basically split the country into five regions. And this association is responsible for the most Western part. So, of course, there is an association for the eastern part, northern part, 
and two for the southern part. So it's the, the Midwest, put it that way, that the West German Football Association covers. And at the time, they were still affiliated with the Track and Field Association. These days, I think they have split the organization into two, each one catering for the specific sport. But at the time, track and field, meaning athletics, was, was still included. No, this is a bit aside. It seems a bit strange, though. Football and track and field. I don't think I've ever heard of that, uh, of being together. Yeah, it was a bit bit strange. I actually think that most decisions at the governing body are driven by, by football. So when we had, had project meetings there, I can't remember anybody from, from athletic or track and field being there. But at the, at the time, it was a, a governing body for both. So we included both sports. But as I said, um, the governing body has already been split that it only covers football and the other one covers track and field. So you used the survey in this one. How did you go about thinking, what are the questions I need to ask to get the data that I need to understand this? Well, we came from the theoretical perspective and the conceptualization of organizational capacity. And I did some earlier research on organizational capacity of sports clubs. So we, we had a feeling how we could measure the different organizational capacity dimensions. So meaning human resources capacity, the financial capacity, and also structural capacities. And then we developed the, the survey from there. And uh, it was a bit messy in terms of surveys because we had to develop several questionnaires. So of course, a questionnaire for football clubs and a questionnaire for track and field clubs. And as you can see from the study, we also used individual level data. So we also had to develop questionnaires for football club members and also track and field club members. And we also had to think about people who, who could practice both sports. So how we do that. So at the beginning of the online survey, we basically had to ask them if they or what sports they practice and if they want to do surveys on both sports, if they actually practice both sports. So the, the overall development of the surveys and the questionnaires was a bit messy because we ended up with a, at least a handful of different surveys and, and questionnaires because of the different levels. So individual level and club level, and also because of the different types of sports. This might show my ignorance of quantitative research, but I, I notice in the, in the scale, when you're looking at the, at the variables, you put dummy and I just find that funny. And I'm wondering what that means. A dummy variable, that's a variable that is coded zero and one. So usually one means yes and zero means no. I don't know why, why people call it dummy. Maybe it comes from, from, from sports economics or from general economics, but that's, a, I think, a general term. So usually you would, I think the overall term would be binary variable or nominal variable. Well, binary, but that could also be coded one and two. But the dummy variable is always coded zero and one, and that has statistical reasons because having a zero is valuable in some statistical analysis. It's better than a one-two code. So that is why we put down dummy and always hope that it is self-explaining, but we all also realize that it's not always the case. And I, I think you're not the only person who, who doesn't know what the dummy variable is. We also get that comment frequently from some reviewers. So oh, good. For asking, and it might be good to clarify that for the sport management community here. I'm so glad because I felt like a dummy when I asked. So thank you for telling me I'm not the only one. Yeah, it's actually funny because I think there's a book around in, in Germany that is for students and it's, it's, it's called SPSS for Dummies. 
And I actually think that's not a good idea because a dummy is also a variable. So, so don't confuse idiots with variables. But uh, <laughs> Right. I'm yeah. going to have to find that book, uh, SPSS for Dummies. Multiple meanings, you know. Yeah. And, and just continuing on my uh, little quantitative understanding, when I see your findings, I see a whole bunch of numbers and my head hurts. So please tell us, what, does this, uh, what did you find in this research? What was the important aspects? Yeah, you're right. The table is quite, quite massive. And of course, I'm not going through every finding here in detail, but maybe just the, the main chunks of the finding. So first finding is that it's important to distinguish between different types of volunteering. So whether it's formal or informal. So formal would be that people have a specific position and they can say, OK, I'm the youth officer or I'm the treasurer or I'm the general secretary or, or I'm, the, I'm a coach. So that would be formal volunteering. And informal volunteering is just helping occasionally when the club has specific things that need to be done, like catering at game days or driving children from A to B to training sessions to, to league games. So that's important to distinguish. And it's also a different decision if people say, OK, I volunteer or not. So the dummy again, or the amount of hours they dedicate to volunteering. That has also different planetary factors. And the overall important thing that we find and that kind of supports our theoretical approach is that when we look at the share of explained variations, so that would be the R squared at the bottom of the table, we can see that this is actually higher for the organizational level variables. So these are some clear indications that the organizational context where volunteering actually occurs is much more important to people's decisions than their individual characteristics. So how old they are or what income they have or how many hours they work per week. So that's actually less relevant to volunteering. So it's, it's more about the organizational context that plays a role. So And that, that supports the idea and the strategy to actually use data from, from both levels. But of course, it's also stressful. You know, It's always easier to send out simply a survey to volunteers and ask for their characteristics rather than asking all the clubs. And then you have to link the data with each other, have to check how many volunteers replied from each club. You have to, to link them, but still the survey must be anonymous. So there's a whole, whole lot of, of data mess associated with that. But at the end of the day, the results clearly show that the, that the higher level is more important. How, how does that relate to the, to the organizational capacity factors that, that you were looking at? That actually means that these organizational capacity factors are more relevant than individual characteristics. So basically the the culture of the club, the financial situation, the situation in terms of human resources, they are more important to, to people's decision to volunteer. And that includes adult volunteers and also parent volunteers. How, how does that advance our understanding then of the theoretical aspects and, and the practical aspects? Well, it enhances our standing in that way that, you know, um, where are the targets when you are a governing body or a sport club to change something? It's not only about incentivizing individuals and um, working at that level. It's also about the overall atmosphere at the club, the capacity of the club that affects volunteering. And from a governing body perspective, it's, it's not only targeting individual volunteers, but also working with clubs to make sure to have an environment where volunteers are inspired to work on a voluntary basis. 
So it, it shifts the focus away from the pure individuals to the wider organizational environment. And, you know, what I always find fascinating is that um, when you look at volunteering studies and people always report their motivations to volunteer, and then you look at how um, the state and the governing body basically uh, supports volunteering, it's always with financial incentives. For example, in Germany, you get the opportunity to get tax deductions when you volunteer. You have a specific remuneration that you can get without paying taxes as a volunteer. But when you look at the, at the motivations and the factors why people volunteer, that doesn't even play a role. But the state uses these financial incentives. So there's some, some discrepancy between actually what, what people inspires and determines to, to do that voluntary work and what the the governing body or the state actually does to, to support that kind of work. So I think such research is also helpful to, to get away from these discrepancies and show some, some areas where, where some opportunities can be leveraged. So let's say, uh, Pamela, you've been uh, hired as, as the CEO of, of, a, of a sport organization who's struggling with volunteers. They can't recruit them, they can't keep them. With this research understanding, what would you do? This is not only from this research, but also other studies. It doesn't hurt to have a strategic plan for development. I think that is a finding that comes across studies, that um, you, you need a, a clear philosophy, you need a plan for your strategic development, and also for the people that work for your clubs. You need to clearly communi communicate tasks and expectations. You should not overburden people, but at the same time, you should also make sure that people are recognized for their work. I think that that's also an important issue. So having an overall plan and also maybe being clear about the situation in terms of human resources, in terms of financial resources, that also helps people to make their decisions. When they feel needed, when they know, okay, I'm doing something good for the club because our financial situation is, is not so good at the moment, but my child plays up the club, so at the club, so I want to to support the club. And I think that is important to have uh, clear communication, to have an overall strategy, then people are more likely to, to volunteer for the club. So a key aspect of that seems to be understand why the club needs you to volunteer. Exactly. Yeah. Excellent, Pamela. That was a, a really interesting research into, into volunteers from a perspective perhaps we haven't considered before, like you said. So hopefully sport organizations can, can take that on board and, and really help their volunteering rates. This would be great, yes. Thank you. And thanks for listening to Sport Management Review Insights. Please head to the Sport Management Review website to check out all the latest research being published, including the article discussed in this episode, The Impact of Organisational Capacity on Voluntary Engagement in Sport Clubs, a Multi-Level Analysis, from Volume 21, Issue 3. That's it for this episode, but keep a lookout. There'll be more dropping in your favourite podcast players soon. Until then, it's bye for now.